amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Crime On My Coffee. This podcast contains graphic descriptions and adult content. Mature audiences only, please. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Crime With My Coffee. I'm your fabulous hostess with the mostest, June. And I'm Suzanne. We're going to tell you some stories you've heard. Some you haven't. And some you'll wish you hadn't. All with a Texas twang. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Yes, happy you're here. Yay, yay, yay. Yay. If you're new here, hang around. We think we're kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I so mean, do like five people in the internet world. <laughs> oh, five. Oh, God. I'm flabbergasted. Five. That's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So what's in your mug today? Well, in my mug, I I did not go to my Boxopods. I actually just got a regular breakfast blend coffee pod. Uh, I It's just habit that I grab that. So... That's what I have, the regular breakfast blend that I normally drink with the French vanilla creamer because, I don't know, it was just repetition today for whatever reason. I think the heat has gotten to my brain because it's still 100 and melt your face off. That ain't no joke. That's why I'm drinking water. (laughs) Oh, yeah? So that's what you have in your mug today? Yeah, so I'm super boring. I just have a bottle of water. You know, stay hydrated. Drink your water, people. It's summertime and it's hot and you need to stay hydrated. Drink your water. Yes. If you you don't have water in your hand right now, go get some water and then come back and listen to us. Okay. Sounds good. That's that's my PSA for the day. Okay. Even if it's not 100 and melt your face off where you live... It's still summertime and you should stay hydrated anyway. Absolutely. Unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere and then it's wintertime, go drink something warm. Mm-hmm. Coffee. Yes. 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 Drink a cup for me. Mm-hmm. So, well, I am going to be bringing us a case today. Ooh. Ooh. And I hope you have your passport because nowadays you can't go anywhere without a passport. I do have my passport ready. Let's go. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to start off in, okay, I don't know Spanish and I don't know how to say Spanish words very well. So forgive me. Okay. We're going to start off in 
Atlan, Jalisco, Mexico. Okay, we're going to Mexico. Yes. So the it turns out tequila. When, when I when I see these, I don't I don't I it just didn't click for whatever reason. You know, uh, Atlan is the city. Uh, Jalisco is the state, but it's in Mexico. So there's always Mexico behind it. And I was like, I mean, it didn't make any sense. And then finally I'm like, Oh, I get it. Because like here we would say, Oh, I don't know. Um, Bimbrook, Texas, but it's in the U S so, you know, I would have gone with Austin, Texas, since that's where we're going in a couple of weeks. I know. And I'm so excited. So excited about that. Me too. Hope to see you there at the true crime podcast festival. Yay. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited. Or sorry. True crime podcast and paranormal festival. Yes. It's all the same, but uh, I I will be there. Hope to see you soon. Yes. Yes. All right. So this is where we're going. We're going to Mexico. Now, this um, uh, Atlan is actually in the southwest part of the state. Uh, The name comes from eh, some kind of language that I can't say, but it means like waterway, like water channel, water ditch, you know? Okay. Um, It's in the Costa Sar region. And it is the most populous and largest city in the Costa Sar region. All right. The population in 2005, this is the only census that I could find. I, I, there was two census, one from 2005. Population in 2005 was 53,269. Oh, wow. And then the approximate population in 2010 was 108,427. In five years, it doubled? Yes. Can you believe that? Holy, wow. That's, wow. Okay. I should take note. I'm just saying. I I could only find just a couple of people, notable people, that actually were from uh, Otlan. And you might notice... The names. Um, one is Carlos Santana. Never heard of no, him. No, never, never. <laughs> so he's a guitarist, rock and roll, uh, Latin American jazz, and his brother George, or it could be Jorge. Yeah, I guess you know Santana actually was both were from there. George actually was also a guitarist. And he did another band. It wasn't Santana like uh, Carlos did, but he he did uh, he toured with another band for for quite a while. And then um, after about four years or so, he went solo for a little bit. And then he actually did tour with his brother and Santana for a while. So we're in Mexico on February the 7th, 1934, a little boy named Juan Vallejo Corona was born. Didn't find out a whole lot about his young age, but I know that I read he was one of eight or 10 children, was a a good number of children. But back then in 34, you had a lot of kids. Right. Well, way too many for me. 
I'm telling you. Around 1950, when he's about 16 years old, uh, his one of his older brothers had actually um, migrated into California. So he decided that he was going to come over the border into California as well. And the place that he ended up was actually like Imperial Valley. It was a very highly agriculture place, you know, and he picked carrots and melons for about three months to, to make some money. And then finally, he moved into the Sacramento Valley. This was closer to where his brother was, you know, he had to kind of work up enough money to be able to move from one place to the other. Right. Well, Sacramento Valley, California is the area, area of Central Valley, California, and it's north of Sacramento. It's north of the Sacramento-San Joaquin River Delta is what it is. There's a lot of little cities in it, which include Sacramento and uh, Yuba City, which is actually where we're going to go. That's where Juan ended up moving He moved to Yuba City, which is the county seat for Sutter County. December of 1955, while Juan is there because he came over in 1950, they had a series of storms that caused a lot of rivers uh, to overflow their banks and, and break the levees. They had a big flood. Fortunately, only 38 people lost their lives during this big flood. Unfortunately, there was 38 people who lost their lives. That seems like a big number to me. But I guess when you're talking about as the population as a whole, it's a very minute number. Right. Right. Because the population. Could have been a lot worse. Oh, way worse. Uh, The population in 1890 of Yuba City was only 562. But in 1970, the population was 13,986. In 2020, the population was 70,117. So if you look at those numbers, 38 is not bad. Right. You know, but it's still bad because somebody lost their life. It's like all the people that live on the street in front of my house. Yeah. A couple of notable people from Yuba City, California, is Tyler Rich, who is a country singer. Also from uh, Yuba City is Char- uh, Charlotte Stewart, TV actress. If you don't know her, you probably are not old like me. I knew her because she was on Little House on the Prairie. Just saying. So I watched it. I'm not going to lie. I watched it. Oh, so wholesome. I know. I know. It was <laughs> it was wholesome. It was fun to watch. I know. You know? So I wasn't <laughs> and and you know me and you know it is August and football has started up. So of course I have to mention at least one person that had something to do with football. So the last person that I am going to mention from Yuba City, California is Ron Porter. Uh, He was actually a a linesman, former linebacker for the NFL. He played for the Colts, the Eagles, and the Vikings. And that's all I'm going to say. Go Colts. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Go football. That's what I'm going to say. Football. Colts. Anyway. Okay. Carry on. 
So, so after he moves uh, to Yuba City, he had made an arrangement and he was very encouraged by his brother who had already moved there about four years before. He moved in with his brother and the, the place, it's called like Marysville, Yuba City area. He ended up going to work there on the local ranch. Apparently, there are a lot of ranches in this area. They're mostly like citrus and nut orchards and cattle ranches. But he went to to work on like one of the citrus orchards. He's kind of moving around. He's he's centralized there in Yuba City. But for whatever reason, he took a little trip to Reno, Nevada and got married on October 24th, 1953, because he had found love and he was about it. Right. So he's about 19 at this time. Unfortunately, didn't last very long because what I read by December of 1953, they were separated and divorced. Oops. Yes. That's not very long at all. Not very long at all. I've had indigestion last longer than that. (laughs) That's fine. Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) About three years after his marriage and divorce, He's, he's still working there on the local terrain and he's living with his brother and he started having like sch- schizophrenic type episodes. So his brother is like, dude, something is wrong with you. So he had Corona committed to the DeWitt State Hospital there in Auburn, which is about 40 miles from Marysville. While he was there, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia reaction, the paranoid type. Now, I read that he started having these issues after the the big flood in December of 1955, where these people lost their lives. I read that for whatever reason, he thought that these people that had died was coming back. Uh-oh. And so he really started having some mental issues. And like I said, by January, the following year, 1956, he was committed. Uh, he stayed there for a while. Uh, they kept him for about three months and then they released him. But when they released him, they actually deported him back to Mexico. In 1959, he finds love again. He's about I don't know, 25 years old at this time, but he finds love again, ends up getting married and him and his wife end up having four children together. He kept wanting to come to the U.S. He wanted to make a better life for himself. So in 1962, when he was about 28, he returned to the U.S. and he was given a green card trying to do good trying to make his life right, he became a licensed labor contractor and was put in charge of hiring for the local fruit ranches there. Everybody said he was a very hard worker and he he really was about it. That's why they kind of put him in charge of doing all this hiring and everything. He still had some episodes going on. Now, 
I did read a little bit about schizophrenia, and it says that in schizophrenia, you end up having continuous or relapsing episodes of psychosis. And one of the major symptoms is like hallucinations. You you hear voices. You have delusions. You have a disorganized way of thinking. You can also have social withdrawal from it, decreased emotional expression where you don't really feel empathy. You know, it's a lack of emotion. They do say that usually it develops gradually uh, as you get older and it starts happening usually around young adulthood. And he's, what, 25 about this time. Right. And he was 21 when he first started having the episodes after the flood. So, you know, I don't know, maybe put two and two together. But they usually say schizophrenia is usually not really resolved. They, you can get medication and, you know. Right, to kind of help control the symptoms and the right. delusional breaks and stuff like that. Right. But you have right. it forever. Yes, yes. So in 1970, he was committed again to the DeWitt State Hospital for treatment. In 1971, he decided, you know what, apparently, you know, something is going on. So he applied for welfare. It was denied. Now he's 37 and he's been working over here pretty close to about 10 years, hardworking, Like I said, that's why he was in charge of the hiring and the firing, everything like that. Around May 19th, 1971, one of of the farm owners that Corona worked for noticed that there was a a hole dug in his orchard. He was like, what is this? What is going on? So he comes back a little bit later to check on it and the hole is filled in. He was like, I don't, I don't know. That was just really strange. I it just really, really weird. He he didn't know what it was, but he went ahead and started kind of investigating what this hole was, who did it, what, what, why was this hole in his or- orchard? It turns out, I want to say it was a peach orchard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I like peaches. I don't know. While he's investigating this hole, he actually discovered there was a body inside. Uh oh. Whoops. Of course, I don't think you can plant those and grow people. I don't think so either. I don't think think that's how growing the population works. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so either. Of course, the police get involved. And they come out. They're doing their investigation. And then they notice that. There's more, looks like freshly recovered holes and some that looks like they've been there for a while. And they're like, what? This is really, really weird. So they start digging these up and inside they find more bodies of people. Uh, And inside some of these holes, there were, was a little bit what they felt very incriminating evidence. It was all circumstantial, but they felt it was, it definitely was a good lead for them, which helped boot, boost the case for them. They interviewed um, some of the neighbors and some other people 
a lot of the neighbors said that they remember seeing these people, but the last time they seen these people, they were actually with Juan Corona. Not looking so good for you, Mr. Corona. Well, a, a lot of these workers were like middle-aged males, right? With criminal, questionable type background records. But a lot of them actually stayed in a bunkhouse on one of the ranches that Juan supplied workers for. So to me, it's not really weird that Juan would be seen with these people because he's the one that does the hiring and and does the laborers for a lot of these ranches and everything. But the police find that they feel, along with some incriminating evidence that they found, they, they think, that he would be a good suspect. So in the very early morning of May 26, 1971, the police end up going to uh, Juan Corona's house with a search warrant and arrested him. They gathered up evidence, took pictures, you know, and they felt the the evidence indicated his guilt. So while Corona is under arrest, he was given legal aid and a public defender who hired several psychiatrists to do psychological evaluations. They moved him to a new jail that they had a new county jail that they had built in Marysville on May 30th, 1971. And then on June 2nd, 1971, he was taken back to Sutter County for the arraignment. It was closed to the media and all the public. Nobody could come in. Nobody could watch. Nobody could, you know, see what's going on. While this is all going on, the police are still doing their investigation. They're still trying to see what's going on and you know, what's happening, what they can find, what they can't find. Corona pled not guilty. So a preliminary hearing was was set up. And this preliminary hearing is where the jury finds evidence and says that a probable cause to believe that a crime's been committed by the defendant. The investigation that the police were doing finally terminated on June 4th, 1971. And now they're going to go to trial. The public defender that Corona ends up having was replaced by a private defense attorney. And he said, you know what? It's a little give take here. I'm going to do this trial for you in exchange for exclusive literary and dramatic property rights to your life story, including the proceedings that are against you. Hmm, that seems a little sketchy to me. A little sketch. Corona said, you know what? I mean, I'll take it because I feel a paid lawyer, even though you're doing it pro bono for free, versus one who just does it all willy-nilly all the time and doesn't get paid for it and probably just really don't care. I'm going to take that deal. It's like, okay, okay, that's great. So after they Corona agree, agreed to this, this new attorney said, you know what? I want you to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Corona's like, okay, 
And then the lawyer turns around and fires all the psychiatrists that were hired previously. And this lawyer did all this without having any reports or medical records or anything. Yeah, definitely sending me some sketch vibes, bro. A little bit of sketch vibes for sure. Definitely not a level of trust here. No, no. On June 18th, 1971, Corona started complaining of chest pains. He was taken to the hospital, and there they did diagnose him with having a mild heart attack. It happened again about two months later in August, but he was indicted by the uh, grand jury in July. Trial begins September 11th, 1972 in Fairfield, California, because the lawyer got a change of venue with this. And since he pled not guilty by reason of insanity, he wasn't called to testify. And in fact, nobody, the defense didn't call any witnesses at all. I mean, I can see both sides of that coin because it's not the defense's job to say, hey, my client's innocent. It's the prosecution's job to say, hey, no, this dude is guilty. Well, I mean, I get it. I get it. But, but at the same time, yeah, yeah, a little weird. Should you be I arguing for he, your client? You would think. I understand, you know, maybe you don't want to put him on the stand, but maybe you want to put somebody on the stand for Yeah, if him. he's pleading insanity, yeah, should I mean, you have somebody it, on the stand to verify, would, yeah, we think this guy's insane? Yeah, some of the doctors that had treated him before, his brother, you know, maybe because he had witnessed some episodes, something, but he didn't call anybody. Okay. But it was presented at trial. Some of the evidence that they had gathered in the orchard, in some of the holes, it was discovered with these people that were in these holes. One of the holes actually had a receipt that had Corona's signature on it. And in another couple of graves, there were deposit slips that had Corona's name and address on it. But like I said, he employed these men. So, I mean, would I expect them to have maybe some stuff from him on their person? Maybe not specifically, but. But yeah, that's. Yeah. 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 Well, also, when the police had went to his house with this search warrant, they found what they presented as two bloodstained knives a machete, a pistol, and bloodstained clothes. They also found a book, a ledger, that had names of people on there. It was a work ledger. It had like uh, 34 names and dates on it. The prosecution started calling it like the death list because it turns out that on this list of 34 people, there were seven that were found and could be identified there in the holes that they found in the orchard. I mean, that's a good number out of 34, but I don't know that that would make this a death list. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what they called it. 
Corona is 39 years old, January 18th, 1973. Jury, the, the trial is done. Jury goes to deliberate. It takes them 45 hours to reach a verdict. And the verdict was he was guilty of first degree murder on all 25 counts that the grand jury had indicted him with. Now, I total shock on your face. I see that. But now in California, the Supreme Court had voided the death penalty in February 1972, just six months before Corona goes on trial. So he's not eligible for that. Exactly. But Corona was given 25 terms of life in prison. The, the judge said, OK, well, these 25 years, uh, 25 terms of life in prison are going to run consecutively without the possibility of parole. Despite being given so much time, he would be eligible for parole in seven years. How? Because the penal code, section 669, mandates when a crime is punishable by life in prison with or without parole possibilities, that all other convictions shall be merged and run concurrently. And that's per the Department of Corrections. But how does that have anything to do with making him eligible for parole after seven years? Because I guess if you take 25 years, that that would be the most he could get because all of them kind of run together now, right? Not stretched out, not 25, then 25, then 25. It's basically one 25-year sentence. You have to serve half, right? Isn't that what I I think? But I think somehow or another, it turns out that it doesn't have to be quite half of your sentence that you can actually be eligible for parole. I know it's really But if you're not eligible for parole, but it states in there, it doesn't matter. It's with or without the possibility of parole. That just says that it merges them. That doesn't say that it grants them the possibility of parole, even if they're told they don't have the possibility of parole. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So weird, but whatever. So Juan Corona is sent to Vacaville's California Medical Facility first because of his heart irregularities that he was having. And in 1973, he ended up being stabbed 32 times in his cell. Wow. Yeah. He lived through it. He managed to live through it. And in 1974, they transferred him to the correctional training facility in uh, Soledad, California, which is about 160 miles from Fairfield. About this time, his wife is like, you know what? (laughs) We done. She divorced him. In May of 1978, the lawyers had filed for a new trial and it was granted because they they based it on the, the lawyer didn't really do a legal and factual. His defense lawyer didn't do diddly squat. Exactly. 
his lawyer didn't request legal or factual investigation findings or anything like that. And his lawyer got the publication rights, which is definitely, you know, a conflict of interest there. Yeah. So they granted him a new trial. And the second trial began February 22nd, 1982 in Hayward, California. Now, Corona is about 48 at this time. And Hayward is about 111 miles from Soledad, where he was transferred. He got a new lawyer and his new lawyers tried to present the case that someone else had done all this and they had fled back to Mexico and the the person that they were claiming had done this had unfortunately just uh, passed away about eight years before this new trial took place. Yeah, so let's blame the dead guy. He can't testify True. or fight on his own behalf or defend himself or, you know, whatever. It's fine. Exactly. While he's on trial, Corona's doing the second trial, they ended up calling the new lawyer's ended up calling over 50 defense witnesses to the stand. Versus the original zero. Hmm. Exactly. Corona was called to the stand as well. And his lawyer only asked him two questions. First question him he asked him was, do you understand the state has accused you of killing 25 men? Corona said yes. The lawyer asked him a second question. Do you did you have anything to do with killing these men? And Corona said no. So the trial goes on and it lasts for like seven months. Wow. Yes. A long time. Finally ends up wrapping up in September of 1982. The jury had de- deliberated for 54 hours. But Juan Corona was convicted of again, again of all 25 homicides and sent back to prison. He was sent back to the correctional training facility in Soledad. So he's transferred to Corcoran State Prison in Corcoran, California in 1992 which is about 131 miles from Soledad, where he was at previously, where he served his life sentences in the sensitive needs yard, uh, because by this time he ended up getting dementia. He was also denied parole eight times. Juan Corona ended up passing away March 4th, 2019, at the age of 85 from natural causes. Now, all the victims, all 25 of these victims, all but one were stabbed or slashed with a knife or a machete. The, the way I read, all of these victims, uh, like I said, with or without the criminal records, drifters, it doesn't matter. One was seeing these as the people that had died in the flood. And it turns out he was very, very afraid of water. They were all between the age of, I want to say, 43 and 67, 68, something like that. All 25 of these men. Oh, wow. And all of these men, like I said, except for one, had been cut, slashed, 
something. And at the time of the crimes that Corona did was among the most notorious in U.S. history until the discovery of Dean Coral's victims. Which <gasps> dun, just dun, totally, dun, 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 dun. Like I said, it turns out that they considered Juan Corona one of the deadliest American serial killers by number of proven victims. Wow. And that's my case. Wow. Well, thank you. No problem. It was definitely something else. That's for sure. It was. It was. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Wow. No problem. Wow. Yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like your facial expression when I was talking about, oh, yeah, seven of these people out of 25 victims that they yes what to him wow yeah i didn't want to just like spill that all willy-nilly i wanted you to you know think oh you know he did a little bit of here a little bit of there but yeah and the funny thing was all of this uh, i don't even know if i know 25 people i don't i don't i want to say that all of this they can thought that all of these people, these 25 people were murdered from March of 1971 until May of 1971. So just a couple of months? 25, yes. That's That's more than one a week. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Couldn't believe it. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that that to me was blew my mind. Heck, that's more than two a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. It and he, I mean it's like he just he just snapped. Oh, I, I take that back. It wasn't March, it was February. February nineteen seventy one to May of 1971. Wow. Still, that's still a lot. Exactly. Exactly. But he In a was super having, short period of time. Yes. He was having some serious issues that he really didn't get help for. The first time he was committed, uh, when his brother had him committed, he actually got like shock therapy. He, he got several... Uh, rounds of the shock therapy, but you know, I guess it really didn't help because he thought, wow. yeah, yeah, crazy. Well, yeah, I don't think electroshock therapy works. Uh, I think they outlawed it because it doesn't work. I know, I know, craziness. So, all right, well, that's what I got for you. So, I guess until next time, yeah, okay, bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. 
online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.